Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the PBSC podcast. I'm Steve Moore, and this is Mark Castleman. It's good to be with you this week. It's uh, it's Thanksgiving week here in the United States. It is. Uh, so we hope that you're all having some happy festivities and that uh, good things are happening for you and your family. And you're going to take some time to, to really connect with the people that you love. Uh, recovery, as you hear at the end of every podcast, is so much more about connection than anything else. And so uh, we hope you're taking the time to do that. Uh, we got a submission this week. From a listener, Mark, that uh, you know, you and I were talking about this before the show. Um, as with many of our submissions, sadly, we we hear these sorts of stories too often. Um, but it's it's a topic that it does need to be covered because in different forms and fashion, this happens quite a bit. And this comes yep. from an addict uh, that sent this into us. Uh, basically, we won't read the email, but the substance of it is: is he, he's been a longtime addict, and during the recovery process, as he was a fair way into sobriety, about a year into sobriety. Um, his partner uh, disclosed, or he ended up finding out, it's not really clear which, uh, that uh, she was having an emotional affair. Um, and uh, for emotional affairs, uh, basically, it would just be the emotional connection, right? Of, of well, she also said that she did, she then did disclose to him that it was physical as well. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I, I was, sorry. I should have, I was kind of getting there. But yeah, it eventually kind of came out that this was a physical, it, it had evolved to something physical. And so he he kind of laid out the situation, and then he asked the question, um, how do I help my wife trust me again when I'm also having a hard time trusting her? Mm. So we've got a mutual betrayal situation, really, yep. is what's going on here, right? Where uh, to, to say that this is a version of complex trauma would be an understatement. Um, and Mark and I, in different forms and facets, both have examples of this. Um, that personally that we can kind of relate to. And, and this is a, it's a hard situation to navigate. Um, there's, there's a lot to it. And probably the first place before we get into solutions or anything, uh, we ought to really talk about, you know, why does this happen? And Mark, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on this. Like what leads to this? What, what causes this to happen? Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I, I, I don't have an experience with this directly with my, with my wife, there wasn't mutual betrayal, but I can really relate to this in another instance where I had this scenario with my sister. Mm. 
and uh, my sister just passed away uh, a number of years ago, so I can talk about yeah. this. But she was uh, she was very abusive the whole time we grew up, all the, all the way into decades of our adult lives. And I had to kind of set boundaries and can protect myself from her. And so I was I very much knew what it was like to be traumatized, you know, by someone, uh, by her in my life. And then towards the end of her life, um, I didn't know it was the end of her life. She actually, she actually ended up uh, committing suicide. Towards the end of her life, we had an interaction where it became very, very apparent and obvious to me that I had in some ways betrayed her. Mm. And it was a, it was one of the great, uh, one of the great uh, shifting moments of my life as I came to the realization of how I had neglected her. And the reason I had, and this is where we get into the whys of this mutual betrayal. So she had been so abusive and here I'm an addict during most of the time that she's being abusive to me. I'm also, I also have my addiction over in my life and the way I, I just couldn't cope with her, her uh, dominant aggressive personality. And so I would just basically run escape, Mm, not interact with her, not face her, not try to do anything with her, just stay out of her way. And I did that to protect myself. I did that to survive because I was dealing with all these other, these other issues in my life. And so we often see this mutual betrayal for that reason. So, so when we have addiction and we have a spouse who has, uh, you know, been with, a, for example, a husband for years or decades while he's been in his addiction, her knowing or not knowing. And now we get to the place where uh, people will just hit their limit right? I'm fatigued. I am so tired after years or decades of getting nothing from you. No emotional connection. I just feel like you don't care about me. You're in your own world, or I know about your addiction and you're off doing your own thing all the time. And I finally get to the place where I'm just, I'm just crack. I'm just done. I've reached my limit. And I either then go out to seek for connection someplace else, because you won't give it to me. Or another big one is I'm so vulnerable in the disconnection, I'm so vulnerable in living with an addict and being neglected that others can see that vulnerability and will often take advantage of it. Yes. And there are times where affairs and things will start because people prey on the vulnerable and have a disconnected relationship. And the other one is I might just very legitimately just want to get back at you for Mm. all the years or decades of torturing me. I'm going to, I'm going to get you and show you what it's like. I'm hurt. I've been hurting and now it's your turn to hurt. Now it's your turn to hurt. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's true. And, and, and this is, it, it is really sad when this happens. I, I like Mark can kind of relate to this uh, without getting into specifics. We don't have time today, but my wife and I experienced a situation somewhat akin to what this listener is, is writing in about. And, you know, we, when, when trauma and betrayal became mutual, it was, really, really difficult um, in lots of ways. Now, it was eye-opening in some ways, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but it was, you know, obviously a really hard situation to navigate. I do remember very much, and I know I've worked with some other some some other addicts and spouses who have been in a similar situation. And for better or worse, you definitely do gain kind of, and Mark, you talked about this, you gain kind of an, an empathy on a newer level, you know, in situations like that that you might not, because when you see that perspective, not, not that we would recommend that by any means um, <laughs> to gain empathy. <laughs> no, 
please don't do that. But, but it does. And that, and that was really true for me. I remember the moment that I finally realized how I had neglected and betrayed my sister. And it yeah. was, it was like, oh my gosh, all of this pain that she's heaped upon me. And I suddenly got this, like this sudden panoramic view of the pain I had heaped upon her. Yes. And the empathy just came flooding into me. I was like, it almost, it really it like took my breath away. It was just, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing this with my wife and I remember saying the phrase, you know, if, cause it was a different situation, but similar. And I remember saying something along the lines of, if this is in any way, how it felt for you, right. During a decade of addiction, I am so sorry, you know, <laughs> even more sorry than I ever thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's important to note guys is so, so there's that side of it. Now it's important to note that we should probably, as we lead into the solution based part of this, our rules for trauma apply. Okay. One of the most common ways you can get mired in this. And I know I did this with my wife and um, I, I see others struggle with this when, when there's a, a situation like this, one of the main pitfalls is when you get into a pattern of trying to compare the gravity of your trauma versus their trauma and yes. which one is worse and not and right and and you so you want to not get caught in that game of 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 emotional stick measuring you know trying to figure out which one is greater what is important is that you be talking about and being and as you're going through this process that we be recognizing dialoguing and focusing on the different facets of the trauma and how it impacted each of each of you, right? Mm-hmm. So as we go through this um, and and we start to open up this, na- a couple navigating a situation like that, you will be so well served to kind of go by both of those rules. Focus on the facets, not on the gravity, okay? Because that's just not going to be helpful for anybody. Um, easier said than done, but yeah. definitely important. Yeah. And as you're, and hopefully, I mean, the way this is going to work best is if both parties in this mutual betrayal are coming at this from a place, and this is like super critical, everybody listening, you cannot navigate this mutual betrayal coming at it by yourselves. Nope. You have got to surround, each of you has got to surround yourself with an outside support system. Yes. Because I'm telling you, when you're in trauma, and you've also been a been a betrayer. So so you're playing. You're you're both the victim and the perpetrator at the same yes. time. And we, we talk about being one of those is, is is sort of like you know looking at life through a drinking straw. This little teeny tiny hole you're looking through, and you know now you're you have both roles. Imagine how myopic and narrowed and unable to be objective you are. You need an outside support system to bounce things off of. Absolutely. To tell your story, to see, to talk to others who have been down further down this path, you do not try to do this by yourselves. I would agree. I would. I mean, I, I will tell you, in not involving outside support, I don't have any statistics to back this up, but just in the experience of clients going through this, in my own experience, I don't think virtually any relationships can survive if they stay myopic in a dynamic like this. No, I mean, outside support is always important in in this process. But if there was a way it could be more important, this would be it. Yeah. Because the relationship has become completely unsafe for, for both parties, and you will not find safety in a hostile environment like that. No. Um, you just won't. Just and kind of a piggyback to that, okay, therapy. All right. We, we push that a lot. Um, I 
speaking to, again, everyone's situation is different, but speaking to my experience with my wife, um, I teach this stuff for a living. There is no way we would have navigated this without a qualified therapist. No way possible. Um, so having an outside pr professional perspective as well, that can kind of mediate everything from mediate to referee to set goals to all of those things is just a necessity. Yeah. So whatever it takes to make that happen, please, please do it. If you find yourself in this place. Yeah. And so if we, and so if we, that's, and so that, what we just said is a big part of the solution. It's Correct. building the foundation under yourselves to come at this. And as you have that outside side support and system, one of the things that you can do with regard to moving forward, and Steve, you talked about this before we started today, and I love it, this, this concept that you now have a mutual enemy. Yeah. You have a mutual enemy, right? It's that out there. And what is mm -hmm. the that out there? It's addiction. It's trauma. It's, it's trauma. It's making Trail. crazy choices in the moment because of pain or, you know, life history or all the sorts of factors that come into play where I make these choices that hurt me and, and, and the person I love. That is the enemy. Yes. You're not each other's enemy. That out there is that you've now both mutually experienced. That's the enemy. And like you said, Steve, it's kind of like we get into this place if we're open and we can get the support we need. We, we sort of we now we now are back to back. You know, you kind of look at the like the, uh, you know, the the crime thriller or the, you know, the the uh, army movie where you're surrounded by the enemy and there's two of you. And so you put your backs to each other and you start turning around so that you can cover all aspects of the enemy back to back. Mm -hmm. That's a great analogy for what this is. If we if we can come at it, you know, with support. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and we talk about this oftentimes on the podcast, right? And also in our Dare to Connect program, you know, as we meet with our spouses three times a week and we're doing the really in-depth work that we do in there, which by the way, we'd love to have you all join us. Check out a free trial at pbscpodcast.com. Nope, dare um, to connect now. Or I'm sorry. Yes. Give <laughs> you the wrong website. That's right. <laughs> dare to connect now.com. Thank you, Mark. But yeah, when we tackle, you know, issues like this, we oftentimes talk about this back-to-back component. Um, you know, so much of this process in recovery divides a couple and it's naturally. So it does, right. It creates, when we all start our marriages, when we all jump into relationships, nobody sits there at the altar, you know, ready to get married, looking at their partner or, you know, in front of their pastor and says, gosh, I just can't wait till we have this huge obstacle that divides us forever. All right. Right. What do we all think of? I know what I pictured with my wife when we got married. It's like, it is going to be me and her back to back against the whole planet. And we are going to tear this thing up. These other people are morons when it comes to marriage. We're going to be like the ultimate couple. Now, there was a lot of naivety tied up in that statement. <laughs> but, but that mutual idea of being back to back against the world, I think we all enter into relationships with that. And that's not just naive. That is the way a relationship optimally functions right? Is when it's at the end of the day, we choose each other and we, and we go out and we face the world, we face obstacles, we face financial struggles, we face these things. And when we face them correctly and we collaborate, there's the key, right? Connection is, is built. In many ways, relationships actually require obstacles to overcome in order to grow. Now, that does not mean go pick up a sex addiction if your relationship has become stagnant. 
or go and betray a partner. But it does mean that when obstacles do come along, one of the first questions you want to be asking yourself as we get into these rules and if my partner is willing to work with me is being able to look at your partner, involve some professional help and ask that question, right? How can we get back on the same side of this obstacle rather than the obstacle dividing us? Right. right? And, and the reality is here is obviously is the betrayal different in this situation or with anyone who's listening, who finds themselves here? Of course it is. Does it affect you differently than your partner? Of course it does. But can we use that empathy of being able to recognize that we are both hurting, we're both in pain, and that even though it's not justified, there are real reasons why we're here. Can we use that as a strength, right? To tag, to tag team and work on, on our trauma, work on this through that lens of this being trauma as opposed to my spouse's trauma versus my partner's. Yeah. Yeah. It really is going from this, you know, me versus her or her versus him to us, Mm -hmm. right? I call that moving from me to we, and it's hard, believe us, as we know, as we're, as we're sitting here doing this podcast, real easy for us to say, you know, move from me to we, but we get it. We know that it's excruciatingly difficult because there's a part in your brain screaming, I've been hurt. I've been hurt. And I don't want to be blindsided and hurt again. I've got to protect myself at all costs. Yes. That's a very natural part of this. But in this case of mutual betrayal, you're both feeling that. And that is now a commonality that can actually, if you allow it, bring you together. Yes. Now, I wish if I could go back, if I could go back, for example, with my sister, I would just love to just approach her and her in the, in the pain of how I betrayed her and me in the pain of how she betrayed me and just fall into each other's arms and just weep in our mutual pain. Yeah. What a, what a healing, amazing experience that would have been mm-hmm. right. Not saying the pain is wrong or, or to diminish or discount it, but fully in our pain coming together and just saying, I am hurting horribly. You're hurting horribly. Let's hurt horribly together. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's so true. And and that being able to connect on those commonalities is a skill set, not just in a mutual betrayal situation like this, but really in just in, in the process in general, right? Because even though addicts and spouses, as they navigate this process, are coming from very different places, we can in many ways relate to the same emotions. We can relate to the same. I talk about oftentimes on here stories about my wife and I, one thing that we could always relate to together, whether it was a really small situation or a really intense one, like a few that I've shared, is this is the mutual fear that maybe this won't work. Yes. Right. Maybe we're not going to make it. Maybe we maybe we aren't going to see this. This maybe this is our last Christmas together. Maybe we won't even make it there. And isn't you know? it amazing? I mean, as you say that, when you haven't had experience with this form of collaborative connection. I call it collaborative conflict. We can be in conflict. I can say, I am so angry at you. I hate you right now and still have your back and you mine. Yes. So I love what you're saying. You, you, like people listen and go, whoa, whoa, Steve, did you just say you and your wife were sitting there going, we, not, we may not be together. This may be our last Christmas and you could turn that into collaboration? Like, are yeah, you I mean- nuts? Yeah, I know. Right. Well, and and it's so scary. And this is we probably should have talked about this at the beginning because this is an important component to the recovery piece 
is you just like with a single betrayal situation, a one-way betrayal situation, we have to first expose the depth of the trauma. Okay. So honesty is the precursor. We really should have led with this. Total honesty. There has to be some sort of disclosure, and this is where a professional can help. We have to get everything out on the table. If stuff is held back, and we say this to addicts, so we're going to say it now to spouses, I do not care what the reason is. In in my entire professional career, and Mark, I think, would back this up. Please dispute me if if he does, and he can do that. I have never once, no matter how well-intended, seen secret keeping benefiting. I agree. I it agree. doesn't work. I have never wor- once worked with a spouse. that's like, oh, thank you for lying about that to me for five more years. That was the right call. That never works to your advantage. Because it's du- it's doubly damaging. If I'm holding yes. something back from you as your partner, then what that tells me constantly in the back of my head is, yeah, she loves me. She accepts me, but only because she doesn't know this. Yes. And I'm going to, yep. There's actually been some research about this where when this happens, you actually, what we, what we find ourselves happening, you know, we talk about how we don't go back to square one in a lot of ways with addicts when they relapse, which is very true. Relapse doesn't have to be a reset. When it comes to trauma, I got news for you. In many ways, you are resetting progress. Yes. If you don't disclose something for six months or a year, a lot of the evidence shows that your partner literally goes back to square one when it comes to their own capacity to trust you, if not even further back. When it finally comes out, yes. When it finally comes out, it's it's like you're starting you're starting from scratch. It's true from a trust and, standpoint. Yeah, in some ways, actually, even worse. You're even and, more yeah. behind the eight ball. You're in a deficit. Yes, and so anyway, we just can't emphasize that piece enough. But once that has happened, right, and once we've really gotten on the same page, there is an incredibly liberating component to this that happens when we both are able to get on the same side of that rock. I remember when my wife and I did that. When we were able to look at it and just because part of some of those gravitational experiences and why we wouldn't connect on those, you know why we wouldn't is because if I said it out loud and my wife both said it out loud, we must, we're going to be screwed, <laughs> right? If we both vocalize the fear, then that's going to make it now truth, right? Yeah. Both negatives right. translate into a reality. When the, re- when the reality is, is we both got to really get honest because once you hit that ground, that rock bottom as a couple, that's where you can actually do the work now. And what what and we'll kind of end with this. The beauty of that is now when it's all out on the table, it's all out in the open. What do we get to now do as we look at each other? Do I choose you? And do you choose me? Yes. Not from a place of I need you. I can't live without you. How would I ever? Ser-? No, I know everything. And I am choosing you. I'm mad as hell at you. But I'm choosing you. And that is the beautiful side, what you're describing, Mark. And I hope everybody's listening to that. That is the beautiful side of recovery. That is what we talk about when we say marriages actually can be better for going through this. Yes. Not that this is the recommended route to growth, but those who do go through it, there is a real potential where this relationship will be deeper and have, have more of a depth to it than, than if you'd never tackled this at all. Yeah. Relationships are a risk. There are no guarantees, but um, great things can happen if you guys are willing to trust the process. So the assignment is go back and listen to, if you have this mutual betrayal situation or just a betrayal one way, go back and listen to this podcast about the steps that we gave about what you need to do next. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So love that. Love yep. that. Hope everybody has a great week. If you're here in the U S uh, you know, Thanksgiving week, and we will look forward to spending time with you on our next PBSE. Awesome. Take care, everybody.
Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.